Wolf and Luke. Who are you? Uh, okay, then. Ron Wolfley. Ron Wolfley. What is up? <laughs> Witch Buster. Extraordinaire. Love that guy. Luke Lipinski. He sounds pretty good. He sounds pretty articulate. Wolf and Luke. 98.7 FM. Arizona's Sports Station. Live from the Auction Community Studios on this Friday morning. It is the Wolf and Luke Show. And sitting to my right, you're not Wolf. I don't have a good Wolf impression. So many people do around the office, but... This is when I would try to give it up, but I'm too embarrassed to even try. Uh, I don't have a good one. I was, I've workshopped it out there the past six years working here, and I'm like, eh. They're brutally honest out there, too. If yeah. you don't have one, they'll let you know. Oh, they do. Yeah. Uh, Kellen Olsen is here. I was kind of hoping you would do a wolf impression for four hours and just never break <laughs> character, but maybe next time. I think I would need to sleep for like three years after doing that. The amount of energy that that man needs every day yeah it's i don't funny. know how he does it people are always you know i'll have like listeners come up and be like so that's you know wolf wolf's not like that all the time is he oh yeah he is he absolutely that's just wolf he's it's not an act i'll do all my right. best big shoes big right. shoes here we go then kellen olsen <laughs> is here i think since kellen's here i guess we'll talk a little bit of sons to start the show we got to go back to the rundown days. Yes. Do we have any listeners from the rundown days? I mean, gosh, like I was on the show dozens of times. I'm over there working the web show. Yeah. Like, hey, you want to come on Talk Sons for 15 minutes? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> we were like the only two people in the building at night. Yeah. Like, hey, let's talk about the Suns, who at the time were winning like 19 games. Because I think that show started in 20, summer of 2017. And, and here we are. Look what at do us they now. say now? What do they say? 62 wins and counting. And I feel like we're a part of it somehow. Yeah. Uh, no, but look, going for the franchise. Franchise record for wins tonight, the Suns are. They're in Memphis taking on the Grizzlies. It sounds like Cam Johnson and JaVale McGee will be back for this one. They're at least both probable. So let's just start with the fact that this team's going to break the franchise record, whether it's tonight or this weekend or whatever. Um, Where do you come out on the significance of that? I think it's rather significant because a a day like tonight, which it should be tonight, Memphis is resting a couple of key players. It looks like they're listing them as doubtful, quote-unquote. With they soreness. Yeah, with yeah. soreness when they haven't had this pop up in any of their games in the last two months. Uh, it seems pretty obvious that they're going to look to rest some guys. But whether it's tonight, a couple of days from now, I think the bottom line is that this is going to be really the time to celebrate for this team because something that has started to become a discussion in the last couple of months, and I think rightfully so, has been the expectations now of championship or bust. But that doesn't mean we should fully diminish how awesome they have been in this regular season but that's easy for me to say now because if we talk about this team a year from now and they and they bounce out in the second round the western Conference finals or the finals we'll be talking about that instead of how they were the best regular season suns team of all time and we'd have to throw regular season in front because we couldn't say the best suns team of all time we have to worry about that right now though because i think today tomorrow the next day whenever it is we can really start to celebrate what this team has been and what it has meant to the city and what what it's just meant to Suns fans. I think something so so many people tell me is just they enjoy watching the, the team. They feel like those two days off in between games is too many for mm-hmm. them sometimes. Like They just want to watch them every night because of the joy that it gives them to watch such not only a great basketball team, but a team that plays the sport. I'm going to put my narrative talking hat head on. I wonder what that was. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. You saw me put it on. I saw. I th- it looks like a, a cowboy hat. There's a visual element to the it. four people who can see me right now that yeah. are listening. Oh yeah, there's cameras. Like I have to stop lying to people. <laughs> 
they play basketball the right way, and that makes it sound like they play it better than other teams, but the way that they play together, the way that they play for each other, the way that they defend, the way that they try every night, the way that they're not resting potentially three or four starters tonight like Memphis is, even though they've clinched before Memphis. That's just who these guys are, and it's been so fun to watch them grow and evolve over the last two to three years. Yeah, it's um, it, it, I, I like the mentality they have taken on this year, too, of... You get so close last year and you don't win. And so last year, it's like you can look at that so many different ways. You can say, yeah, you were you were up 2-0 and you didn't win the championship. That's got to sting. You can also look at it and say, you guys weren't supposed to get this far at the start of the year. And look what you put together. And now look how you're following it up. And and I like the idea that they're following it up with, we want everything. We want the franchise record. That's not their ultimate goal, but we're going to take that along the way, too. We're going to have this ridiculous road record, this ridiculous home record. We're going to just, we're going to, and we talked about this yesterday, uh, because all the videos of them working out, even though they've apparently done it all season, but they all came out yesterday after the Warriors game. We're just going to go into your city, and we're going to beat you, and then we're going to work out in your in your arena while your fans are just stunned, basically. I like the the attitude this team has on top of, I mean, we've been making a list of all the things we like about this team, but that's my that's my addition for today. It's just that attitude and fitting in there is getting the franchise record, even though you're right. If they don't do any, if, if they don't go as far as they want in the playoffs, we're not going to look at the franchise record and celebrate it. But if they do, it's like another way to make it that much sweeter. And, and to go off what we're talking about, the whole working out after the game thing, I, I've been seeing that for a while now, and then it gets captured on video. It happens right next to where Monty and the players are talking after the game. Everyone's like, what is this? Are you guys, do you guys do this? Sometimes and then he's like, "No, every game." Yeah, and I, I knew that, and I guess I just kind of took it for granted because I, going back to what we're talking about, should celebrate the fact that they've got a team that works this hard yeah. every single day. Like they they work so much. When Chris Paul got to this team, I've mentioned this point a lot, but it just really speaks to the type of team that we're. When he got here, he said that Monty told him, "Chris, like we're we're good. We've got a work team." They work. Like, this is a group of guys that we've built together, and they just work. So when they have these off days, quote-unquote, when they have this break for a week for the plan, they're going to be in the gym every day. They're not going to be coordinated in there together at running practices by any means, but everyone's going to go in there and get their work done just like they get it after the game. And again, that is not a common thing for us to see. I, when we go into practices and we sit there after practice and Sometimes I'm waiting there an hour and a half to talk to a player because they're still getting work done. Yeah, There was a one-on-one drill between a lot of the guys in the second unit. I think Monty spoke at around 12 that day. I got in there and the drill was going on right before Monty was speaking. And then for the next hour and 15 minutes, they're still running this drill. It's Ish Wainwright, Aaron Holiday, JaVale McGee, Cam Johnson, Ife uh, Lundberg, the new player, coming in from Denmark. They're still running this drill. And, and a couple of those guys weren't playing. Cam Johnson and JaVale McGee weren't even playing the next day, but they wanted to get that sort of run in. And I've just seen it. And then Cam Johnson will go get shots up after that. Like it's These guys just never stop. Do you think, and this doesn't really matter, I guess, in the moment, because all, all any of us care about now is, is what they're going to do in the playoffs, but do you think it's going to be this way for like years and years with this group of, I mean, the working out after the game, the stuff you're talking about where, you know, you don't necessarily have to run this drill, but we're going to run it for another hour anyway. Like that, that just sort of infectiousness of we, we, this is what we want to do. I've made the, the, the analogy to Wolf uh, a few times of, it feels like if the Suns didn't have a game tonight, they'd all be together playing basketball somewhere. Can that carry on for like years and years with this group? I think so. And, and to what you're saying, 
I can even speak for them sometimes if that makes sense. Like when Devin Booker, when the New York Knicks game is going on, Cam Johnson scoring 38, super intense game, everyone's losing their minds watching it. I, like Devin Booker and Chris Paul are watching it at home for yeah. sure, 100%. I know that. There's some players across the league, like someone like Kawhi, for example, like I don't, I don't know what Kawhi does. Like we have no clue. Like Neither is he do watching they. games? Like I don't know. And that's something Chris Paul talks about all the time is like guys just don't watch enough. Like they don't watch their team play enough, first of all, but they don't watch other teams play enough. To your question, I am 100% sure of that, and that is something that when you first look at the answer and you say, okay, well, is when Chris Paul leaves, what happens? When these guys leave, what happens? James Jones has proven without a doubt that he can just keep fighting these guys. Ish Wainwright comes in, a new player this year, and he's one of these guys, again, who's just, he's there working out. He's waving at Mikel Bridges during his postgame because he's still getting lifting done. Yeah, They just keep fighting these guys. Like, Lundberg, same thing. He's one of those guys in the hour and a half drill. Holiday just got here a couple months ago. He's in that drill as well. They're just a work team, and they're going to continue to be that for the next couple of years and just however long they can keep this reign up of, of James James Jones and Monty Williams finding their types of guys, and James Jones has proven that he can keep finding them. Monty Williams has proven that he can keep coaching them, so there's no reason not to believe that there's long-term sustainability here. We come back, we'll switch gears to football. Cardinals still need somebody on the edge. Would they be willing to trade up in the draft to get that done? It's the Wolf and Luke Show. Kellen Olson in for Wolf on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Welcome back to the show. Kellen Olsen in for Wolf today. It is the Wolf and Luke show, and we're going to talk a little football here, Kellen. Um, I haven't got your thoughts on the Cardinals and their offseason at all yet, but we're going to throughout this show. Boy, I have some. Do you? Okay. <laughs> most, most people do, so we're going to get those. Yeah. But uh, we're going to start here, actually, with the, the potential of they're going to have to address something in the draft. They got the 20, they're going to have to address a few things in the draft, actually. They've got the 23rd pick in the first round. Um Everything you hear and see is that this is a wide receiver heavy draft in the first round, at least like the first round and a half. They could go out there and they could get a potential Pro Bowl receiver for years going forward. They need a receiver. They need an edge rusher. Uh, they need cornerback help, I still think, but uh, maybe they don't believe that. And I, if, we need to see Jeff Gladney play football for the Cardinals for a couple of games before outright declaring him as a starter of the team. Yes, he's played one average, below-average season for a rookie. We need to see him play before we can call corner solved all of a sudden. You I and I, I feel that opinions. way. I told you I have opinions. I'm ready. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Good. good. Well, because I think a lot of us feel that way, but if they don't feel that way, then they're not going to draft a corner. Either way, yeah. at, at edge. Uh, Gambo was talking about this yesterday, and he he pointed out that so there's basically five edge rushers that seem to be like the first tier. I guess I mean really you could say Hutchinson and Thibodeau are like the first tier, and these next guys are are, are tier two, but not that far off. And then there's a bit of a drop off. So those other guys are Trayvon Walker, Jermaine Johnson, and David Ojabo of Michigan. And Gambo was saying yesterday. Don't be surprised if the uh, the Cardinals would be willing to move up in the draft to get one of those guys. Now, they're not going to be able to get Aiden Hutchinson or Kayvon Thibodeau, but two guys he pointed out. Uh, one of them is Trayvon Walker. Trayvon Walker, Edge. 
Georgia. With an impressive physique and as an aggressive player, the 6'5", 270 defensive end uses his ruthlessness to excel in his role as a rugged run stopper. He does lack lateral movement and diversity on the defensive end, but his power and understanding of leverage makes him a weapon nonetheless. He's at his strongest against the run, but in the right scheme, a defense could pull more out of him. In college or in the pros, Walker is liable to run through whoever he's lined up across. His NFL comparison, Chris Wormley. So there's Walker, and the other one Gambo pointed out specifically was Jermaine Johnson. Jermaine Johnson II, Edge, Florida State. Johnson is a player on the rise. He was a full-time starter for just one season in Tallahassee after transferring in from Georgia, but he showed great strength, speed, and versatility during that span. The reigning ACC Defensive Player of the Year called himself the best edge defender in the draft, and some experts agree, looking at his agility, tackling ability, and his relentless pursuit of the quarterback. Scouts have pinpointed lapses in a awareness from time to time, but with more time and more reps, he can prove that last season was not a fluke. NFL comp, Raiders D-end, Max Crosby. Well, I mean, I would take Max Crosby in the draft if yes, he's available. Um, let's start there. Just the uh, the potential of trading up, because none of these guys I have not seen many of them mocked to the Cardinals at 23, because most of them aren't there at 23. They're off the board, yeah. So I think the important thing that you establish from the jump is that this is a position group in this draft class that drops off. Uh, Todd McShay and Scouts Inc. on ESPN recently did a tier list of pretty much 90 players in this draft class and where the drop-off is. Um, He has Karloftis in his fourth tier and has all of those other guys pretty high. That list has Trayvon Walker 8 and Johnson 10 overall. All on those lists. Karloftis is at 24 and then after that the next edge rusher you really get to is 30 and 32 with Ojabo, Boye, Mafe and then it drops off even more. You're talking like high 30s low 40s. So if this is the absolute need that you feel like you have to address and these guys are slipping a bit I think it's worth it. That's where I'll say like trading up to 10 or 8 that's going to cost you a lot. That's going to cost you a whole lot but if we're talking 15, 16, 17, these guys are sitting around and you give up whatever the extra little pinch is, like a, a second or a fourth or a future somewhere in there. Okay, like we can start to discuss it too because you're addressing a serious need on this team. And I think the way you got to think about it and you got to be optimistic about it, despite Steve Kemp's draft history, is that. I love you're, the disclaimer in the middle of your own sentence. You're hopefully getting a guy who is a pro bowler for four or five years. You're really getting your guy that you believe in. And, and I just gave Steve Kime crap, but he knocked it out of the park with Buda Baker, who is just a mainstay. Like There are very few positions on this team that we can run through and say they shouldn't draft with this first-round pick. I know that they have a lot of needs addressed, certainly, but they could still draft someone in other positions, but safety is not one of them. And that's because of guys like Buda Baker. We're not going to talk about drafting quarterback. They've got DeAndre Hopkins at one wide receiver spot. They sure need another one. Tight end, they've got Williams, they've got Ertz. So there, there are certain positions that they don't need to look to fill, but this is one of them that's at the top of the list. And then again, the value in just... I love a good guard pick at eight for some reason in the NFL draft. I love it because, great, we don't have to worry about left guard for 10 years. Unless you take Jonathan Cooper, then I, then you're in trouble, maybe. Then but you have to worry about then it. Then you have to keep worrying about it. But if you just get that mainstay guy like Quentin Nelson has just been outstanding for the Colts already for such a long time, it feels like. But then you realize, oh, man, he's only been in the league for like four or five years and a couple all-pro teams already. So that's where I look at this and, and remain optimistic. But, again, you need to be sure about this guy you need to be sure and 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 please play him at his position the whole time as well that's all i ask thank you (laughs)
That don't, was your TED talk. You're done. Don't, don't Hassan Reddick him, please. Yeah, it is. that's Thank actually you. that's a verb at this point. I just need course. to be sure. Just need to put it out. There. Take advantage of the platform I have today. You well, know. Well, it is. I mean, it's undeniable that they they can't miss on this first round pick this year. And, and I know, look, you never want to miss on on your first round pick. And there have been years in the past where they've drafted a lot closer to number one or number one when they took Kyler Murray. And so you can't you can't whiff on those picks either. When they took Isaiah Simmons, like okay, it's a top ten pick. You can't miss on this. But I understand you could say this every year, but picking number twenty three this year, when you look at everything, when you look at the team starting seven and zero, and then and then going ten and two. If you look at that, and clearly they're looking at that more than the last part of the season so far and saying, no, we have that team, we're a Super Bowl contender. Okay, that's fine, but if you're going to do that, you have some serious deficiencies or glaring like holes on this team right now, like in your starting lineup. So you can't you can't whiff on this first round pick, and I would say honestly, you need an impact guy in the second round this year, like guys that are going to play this year, because you have chosen now to go down this path without adding anybody major in free agency. We're like, you don't have an edge rusher. You don't have a number two receiver right now. I'm with you on the Gladney thing. I hope he pans out, and if he does, I'd love him as a guy that is starting the season lower on the depth chart. Whereas if he pans off, then it pans out. Then it's like a bonus. It's like okay, this makes us better instead of we think this guy's good. He's a starter. That's the main problem that I have with this theory of sort of trading up. Now, if you're trading up for another position, perhaps, if you're looking to get one of the three best corners in this draft, you look at someone like Stingley out of LSU, maybe McDuffie at Washington's not going to slip like some mocks have him getting to 23, perhaps. That's where you look to trade up. But I'm with you, and something that kind of got swept under the rug last year with how the week-to-week went, just how it was a tailspin. Byron Murphy was a pro bowler in the first eight weeks of the season, and now we're talking about him needing to go back to like where he's at the nickel, where he's at his best again because he can't be a number one corner and that's where I really worry about no matter how great Jeff Gladney is if they knock this out of the park still I still think that there might be a need for another guy Marco Wilson was thrown into a really tough position I think and I think he deserves a fair shot this year to start again because we started talking about him like oh we knocked like this kid's going to play right away and he's going to be good like we're talking about these picks He, he deserves another year but that's where most of my skepticism with this team lies is going into a draft and saying, yeah, we need to hit on at least two of these in the first three rounds to really nail our roster this year, if not all three. Based on what we have right now, free agency still going on. We'll see what's happening, but hey, Luke, we've been sitting here twiddling our thumbs for three weeks and nothing's happening at these positions, so we got to assume it's going to come from the draft right now. Yeah, and that that's I think that's scary for a lot of Cardinals fans because when you look at Steve Kime, if you're just being honest, I know everybody has has an opinion on Steve Kime one way or the other, but if you're just being, if you just try and look at it as, take all the, 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 the preconceived notions out of it, if you look at Steve Kime, he's really good at making trades, he's pretty good in free agency, where he struggled is the draft. So it's interesting, and, and when I say struggle in the draft, it's not like he's whiffed on every pick, but he is, that's been his weakness. Yes. And so it's interesting that they're taking this tact right now, where it seems like it seems like their approach is we're not worried about free agency. If a trade happens, that's great, but we're going to do this through the draft. And where I get concerned is I'm looking at the defense, and I'm, I'm looking at Isaiah Simmons, who you know hasn't really had a normal off season yet, even in two years. Um, he's still relatively inexperienced. I'm, I'm pretty confident in Isaiah Simmons, but still, you've got him out there. You've got Zayvon Collins out there. I don't know what they have in Zayvon Collins. I know they're happy with, with some of what they've seen and they have high hopes, but just hoping he's going to be good doesn't mean he's going to be good starting in week one. If you're going to put a rookie edge rusher out there too, that's a lot of inexperience on your defense. And if you're going to start Gladney too, you, you need all of those things to go perfectly to be a Super Bowl contender.
Would have been a whole lot more confident if we didn't talk about Jordan Hicks getting benched and then, nope, there's Jordan Hicks. Wait, why is Jordan Hicks playing? Oh, that's why Jordan Hicks is probably playing, right? Because Zayvon Collins isn't ready yet. And, yeah. oh, wow, having Jordan Hicks out there as opposed to Zayvon Collins seems like a really good idea right now the later we get into the season. I think the number one position on the team that is indicative of Steve Kimes' draft success is defensive line. Rashard Lawrence has been like, a, okay, he's been a rotation player. And when you get him that late, fine. Lucky Fotu's been fine. Zach Allen was a guy he talked about that they had a first-round grade on. He's been fine. But they haven't been able to find that's the thing with the NFL draft. Like you can find guys in the third, fourth, fifth round that come in and buy their second year of Pro Bowlers. Like this is not an uncommon thing, and they just have not been able to do it under this tenure. And and that's the concerning part for me looking at this team because that, that's what they need right now. Yeah, that's that's the best way to put it. It's concerning because it feels like their season, their upcoming season, when they should be they should be contenders. He started last year ten and two. Again, if you're taking the approach they are, where they're looking at that and saying ten and two happened, we're gonna we're gonna double down on that. If that's your approach, then to me that says you expect to contend for a Super Bowl this year. And it right now on April first looks like the plan is to do that by like playing to your weakness, basically. It's the opposite of playing to your strength. I know you can't you can't just keep calling Houston and saying, Give us your best player and we'll give you nothing. At a certain point, Houston's like, wait a minute, we're on to you. <laughs> Doing this for a few years. But I mean to to do it this way, it could work. There's there's a lot of talent in this year's draft at positions the Cardinals need specifically. It's a great year to not need a quarterback and to need an edge rusher or a wide receiver, but it's it's risky given what we've seen in the past with this team. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Coming up, the Suns are without question the best team in the NBA, so why are some NBA experts still picking the field over the Suns when it comes to the finals? We'll get into that next. Kellen Olsen in for Wolf today. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. And listen live on the Arizona Sports app. live on the Arizona Sports app. Home court advantage. It's a privilege granted to the number one seed in the NBA playoffs. The Phoenix Suns are that number one overall seed this season. They have proven for months on end that they are the best organized depth defense offensive coach teams in the Western Conference. The Phoenix Suns are still the team to beat in the Western Conference. They have been the best team in the NBA for 98% of this season. Suns run to the playoffs. Presented by Canvas Annuity. Phoenix Suns going for the franchise record in wins tonight. They're going to get it at some point. Probably going to get it tonight. It's the Wolf and Luke show. I don't know why we would expect anything less. They've only won nine in a row. Kellen, Kellen Olsen is in for Wolf today. Um, you want a crazy stat? Yes. Longest winning streaks in the league right now. They'll have The Suns will have three of the four if they win tonight. So they've done 18. 11. Eight. Memphis did 11 at one point, and then tonight they'll make it 10. That's <laughs> and then no other team has had 10 besides Memphis. It's so hard to have multiple winning streaks like that because that 18-game winning streak took up a quarter of the season in itself, right? So, I mean, you have to go, you then have to lose your one game, go on your season-long two-game losing streak if you want, and then come back and start winning again. It is ludicrous. Why would you pick against this team in the conference finals or the finals? Well, Kellen Olsen, it's funny you should ask that. (laughs) Here's Vince Carter from NBA Today yesterday. They asked him, okay, you want the Suns or do you want the field? I'm with the field on, on you know, all, all the teams in the NBA and the West, just like you said, because I feel like Memphis is very capable. 
you know, Golden State, you can't you can't knock them. They have a great chance. But yeah, the field. I mean, just naming those two teams, and then you go over to the East. Uh, Boston is emerging. Of course, Milwaukee Bucks, like like he said, and the 76ers. There's teams that have a chance. There's four teams in the East that have a chance of playing great basketball as well as the Suns. I'm saying the Suns are playing the best and has the best record. But I have to take the field. There's too many teams out there that can give the Suns a run for their mm. money. But right now, I mean, the Suns are a complete basketball team. But there's too many teams out there that uh, in the field that, I, that you can choose from. I guess I get, I at least get the logic of, okay, I can rattle off five, maybe four or five other teams that, that could be title contenders. So are you just playing the percentages or what? But, I mean, the Suns are so far ahead of every other team, and they were supposed to have this drop-off when Chris Paul got hurt. And I, I made this point to Wolf earlier this week. This Chris Paul got hurt, and it seemed to impact the Warriors more adversely than it impacted the Suns. The Warriors' record has sucked since Chris Paul got hurt. He has nothing to do with them. The Suns were fine. They were 11-4 and without him. Um, I mean, they've gotten better. I, I have no reason to believe they're not going to at least stay at this level, if not even find ways to improve a little bit over the next week. And they're going to hit the playoffs rolling. So I don't know that I could pick the field over the Phoenix Suns at this point. I disagree. You take the field? I just think that the argument isn't fair. I don't think that that type of argument is fair in this type of occurrence. Look, if you had to tear off all the teams in the NBA, the Suns are in the first tier. There is no one in the second tier. And then you're talking about a bunch of teams in the third tier. Without Golden State has wrapped up this season with John Morant injured right now. We don't know how he's going to look in a couple of weeks. We have no idea. And just with how Memphis is going into their real first postseason run. They, they gave the Jazz five great games, or four. I, I, I think it was four. I believe they got swept. I can't remember off the top of my head. But either way, Jaw and Dylan Brooks were amazing in that series, and, and they still got swept in five games. And You learned a little bit from that, but they haven't made a real postseason run yet as a really, really young team. Kevin Pelton wrote, wrote an article on ESPN earlier in the week just looking at the history of teams that have an average age of 25 or under and how far they make it. In the playoffs, and first of all, there aren't many teams that make the playoffs when they do that anyway, and and most of them get bounced in the first round. Now, Memphis is not going to get bounced in the first round, but it just speaks to how much experience matters. We talked about it a lot for the Suns last year. They overcame that, but I that's why I don't put Memphis in the second tier. With that whole argument in mind, history... Well, Memphis doesn't even have a player over the age of 28, right? It's, I mean, they don't it's have, insane. I mean, normally it's like, okay, that's a really young team. They have a couple yeah. guys in their mid-30s and then a bunch of young... They don't have their oldest player on their team. Probably Steven Adams, right? Yeah, Steven Adams, Kyle Anderson, Shaq Harrison are all 28. It's crazy. It's insane. And they play like 9, 10, 11 guys with that, too. It's, it's pretty wild. We'll, we'll talk about them in a bit for sure with the game tonight. Uh, but with this whole argument... There's only 21 teams in NBA history that have won at least 65 games. And I think the Suns are going to get there. With that in mind, that has not just meant that that team is going to win in the NBA Finals. Not all those teams have won the NBA Finals. The Houston Rockets were the last team to do it. They lost in seven games to the Warriors. Chris Paul got hurt. If Chris Paul doesn't get hurt, they probably win the NBA Championship that year. They didn't. The same year the Warriors went 73-9, and the Spurs went 67-15. and They lost in the semifinals of the Western Conference to Oklahoma City. And you keep going down the list, there's other occurrences. Dallas was 67 and 15, 20, 2007, lost in the first round to the Golden State Warriors, that Baron Davis team. Like, we have evidence here to suggest that this just doesn't mean that they're going to win a championship, even though they dominate to this rare, rare level. We're talking about 21 teams in the history of the league that have done this. It's about to be 22. 
But with that in mind, I don't think you can just sit here and say they are for sure going to win the title. And with that in mind, the amount that can happen in the Western Conference, I'll say I'll say the Suns. I won't say the field. I'll say the Suns. Okay. But in the finals, it's it's different. It's way different. The only thing I would say, uh, and I I I went back. I think I I think I went back to 1980 with this, um, and then I just lost interest in doing that much research. But when you look at not just the Suns' record, but how many games they're going to finish ahead of the number two team. And I know, look, Golden State, if Golden State flips the switch and gets healthy, then that changes things. And if Brooklyn goes on a run and they really, you know, <laughs> I don't know what to make of Ben Simmons, but if Brooklyn finds their stride, you know, that could, that's a tougher team than what their record indicates. But the only two times a team has had the best record in the NBA with as much of a buffer as the Suns look like they're going to have was the 91-92 Bulls and the 2000 Lakers, 99-2000 Lakers. So it's it's not even that 73-win Warriors team, Two like of you the said. Four best dynasties of all time. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I mean, it's happened twice in, what is that, 40 years? Doesn't guarantee anything, but it does put it with more within the context of this NBA season and not just, hey, would the Suns beat the Warriors of 2016? Well, it doesn't matter because you're not playing the 2016 Warriors. Still think the threats exist, though. I, I think that the Warriors putting everything together with their big three, and more importantly, with the way their younger players have gotten better. Jonathan Kaminga went from just raw first round pick. It seemed like they were just going to include in a trade for someone eventually. To no, he's a long term piece of their future and is going to play playoff minutes. Jordan Poole has gotten even better this year. He was a legitimate part of what they did last year, and even when Clay has come back, he's been unbothered by that. That's a really hard thing for a young player in the league to do: is have someone come in and take the minutes that they were just getting comfortable with. They were finally getting the amount of playing time they were looking for, as all young players do, gets it taken away from him a bit and still finds a way to succeed. He's been really impressive, but then out East, man, like Kevin Durant, Giannis, you just watched that game last night. And it's a fun game. I love Chris Paul. I love Devin Booker. I love watching those two guys play basketball. I think that they're two of the ten best players in the league right now. That's a pretty hot take for a lot of people, but I really feel like they are. With that in mind, Giannis or Kevin Durant is the best player in that series and best basketball player in the world. And look, Mikel Bridges plays better in the finals last year. DeAndre Ayton avoids foul trouble a little bit. No one was stopping Giannis. He had one of the 8, 10, 12 best finals performances ever. And that's the type of thing about playing against those types of players. Would I pick the Suns to beat both of those teams? Yes. Yeah, but but they could lose. But if you're giving me the odds of like every other team and we're just... doing a straight up bet. I'm going to take the field. I'm just I'm just looking at it more logically, I guess. Yeah, I I mean I think it, when you start to throw in all the Eastern Conference teams, certainly like you said, Western Conference, you give me the Suns of the field. I'm going to take the Suns. Uh if you go if you go the entire NBA, the only reason why the Eastern Conference like you're not going to face Durant and Giannis and a red hot Boston team and Philadelphia, although Philadelphia doesn't really worry me. But but I hear what you're saying. I mean, it is still Kevin Durant. It is still Giannis. And the last time we saw the Suns play Giannis in the best seven series, they didn't win. So you have to give them that respect. Golden State has Curry. Memphis has Jaw. Mikel Bridges goes on them. Mikel Bridges on Kevin Durant. That's tougher. Mikel Bridges doesn't guard Giannis. That's the other thing I worry about, too. Their, their primary defensive stopper, their best defensive player, can't cover those guys. He could do his best on Durant, but most of the times, Bridges hasn't even taken that assignment in that matchup. Yeah. All right, we'll get more into this later on when we come back. Is Kyler Murray now the best quarterback in the NFC West? We're going to reset the Cardinals division rivals after a few weeks of free agency. Next, it's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. 
right, Kellen Olsen is in for Wolf today. It is the Wolf and Luke show. Kellen, I'm going to tell you this right now because I'm looking at the show sheet and I don't see it on here. You somehow appear to have avoided hot takes, which is just shots of hot sauce in the 1 o'clock hour. Oh, my gosh. No, thank you. <laughs> Maybe to wake me up in the fourth hour, but other than that, no. You, you don't realize how lucky you are. Gosh. And Maloney doesn't give you, like, that much. She'll give you, like, shots of hot sauce. You have five shots of hot sauce. Now I kind of want to do it. Just She's just a low-key torture artist in there. We don't talk about it. Yeah. No. We, we right, really Aaron. Not I like when she's, like, so busy back there, she won't even address you with words. She'll just turn the music up. She's playing pop punk for me. Pop punk for me, yeah. and that's all that matters. That's, see, that's the kind of good producer we have on the show. Yep. All right, uh, you look around the NFC West, and we're going to try and do this. We're going to try and do this without laughing when we get to Seattle, okay? But the four starting quarterbacks in this division right now, and here, Kellen, I'm going to have you. You, you get uh, this will be word association, all right? You get to respond in three words or less to each quarterback I throw out at you, okay? Matthew Stafford of the LA Rams, pretty good, okay. Um, Kyler Murray of the Arizona Cardinals. Pretty talented. We don't know who the 49ers starting quarterback is. Neither do they, but we'll just say Trey Lance. And um, Drew Locke in Seattle. Pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that. Uh, All right. And coming up. <laughs> when we come back, we'll talk more Drew Locke. Just got to break. Um, when... When you look at this division now, and I understand Matthew Stafford just won a Super Bowl, and I'm not trying to minimize what he did, but that was a lot of Aaron Donald. That, there was a lot of guys that had a hand in that. Um, if you were just drafting those four quarterbacks for this upcoming season, it's Kyler Murray for me, and it's not even close. Right? I mean, it's, it, it would pretty clearly be Kyler Murray, uh, Matthew Stafford, whoever the 49ers are running out there, and then just play without a quarterback like Seattle is. Is Cliff Kingsbury calling plays for Kyler Murray? Yes. Or am I starting my own neutral team where Cliff Kingsbury's not involved? Okay, let's say neutral team. I'll take Kyler Murray. Okay. But in the other world, I'll take Matt Stafford. Really? I'm not joking at all. Oh, wow. I feel like Matthew Stafford is properly rated these days. He's someone who people talk about being trash and is overrated. And he has those moments where it's like, what are you doing? He, he certainly has a handful of those. Wait, I think he's and, good. I feel like that's the properly rated take. Yeah, good. Underrated take is like, well, he's one of the... And, and where they get crazy, like one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, well, let's uh, slow down a bit. He's, well, people he's, like to get crazy on the internet. He's pretty good. He's a pretty good quarterback. The thing with Kyler that we just need to see enough of is consistency. I think that Stafford has had that consistency over the course of his career now, over the last five to six years. And especially for me, Luke, I, I'm someone who always takes playoff performance big time into account when I have these types of player discussions across any sport in general. That's not great for Kyler. And that's where the last year didn't age that well uh, for for old Kyler compared to Stafford. I thought Stafford stepped up even more in the playoffs. I thought he played better as the playoffs went on. And then when we were looking at that that matchup and we were previewing it on the site, one of the things that really stood out for me for Stafford was he was the best fourth quarter quarterback in the league last year. His numbers were incredible. It was something like 13 touchdowns, one pick. His completion percentage was near the 70s. Like he was just on a line, and, and that's the type of thing that I love to see at that position. Kyler is far more dynamic, and like I said, talented. Like that's the key word. And again, who's calling plays for him? If we're talking about Kyler running the ball, like, and we're actually starting to get him involved in that kind of sense, not quite Lamar Jackson. I'm not asking for that. People don't get crazy. Like I know we need to take care of our little quarterback. It's okay. <laughs> With that in mind, <laughs> you throw you throw intimidation out the window when you say we have to take care of our little quarterback when you walk onto the field. 
That sounded like a dig at him being short. That wasn't meant to be a dig at no. him being short. I'm just going to clarify that. I, keep I, him on I love my quarterback. Like, scrub your Instagram again, King. I'm here to support you as a Cardinals <laughs> fan. Do whatever you need to do. With that being said, I feel like if he was more involved in the run game, that's where you'd get more out of that talent. Because yeah. I just, I really want to see him run the ball. The game I think about all the time was that game on either Monday or Sunday night. I want to say it was Monday night against the Cowboys, not last year, but the year before. Yep. Where he was really dynamic with the ball. And they were running all those sorts of weird kind of out of sorts plays that just keep the defense like that out of sorts. And it's just all these rhythm things where it doesn't seem like it's in rhythm for the offense, but that's because it's meant to get the defense out of rhythm. And that's the part that I like about the run game the most. It's not getting the most out of Kyler's legs. It's keeping a defense off and just seeing Kyler hesitate for a second and wondering, Oh, is he about to, and and then he drops back and, and okay, we're and, I think it throws off defenses a lot more than people realize. And when you don't capitalize on it as much as the Cardinals haven't in the past year, especially, that's when I worry about looking at getting the most out of him. Then you compare them as passers, and that's where Stafford's better. Yeah, and well, look, I mean, here's the one thing I will say, and and I would definitely take Kyler, but it's not it's not as lopsided over Stafford. And the thing is, a year ago at this time, you would have had to take Russell Wilson first. Now Russell Wilson's out of the division, but expecting Kyler Murray to be really good in that Rams playoff game, which I did, is probably the most wrong I've ever been about anything that I can remember in sports. Uh, like any sort of prediction or, oh, this is going to happen, or this guy's a good player, or, this guy's a bad player, or whatever. And I know that was just one game, but he was so far past the opposite of good in that game. And I like I thought, you know, it's tough to pick against the Rams when the Cardinals are playing them, because the Cardinals have had a hard time with the Rams for a long time. Uh, but I, I, I certainly thought he was going to be good to borderline great, and it was just going to be, you know, if the Rams won, Aaron Donald made plays, or Matthew Stafford made plays, or Odell Beckham, or whoever. Cooper Cup, I mean, they got a lot of weapons. For that game to go the way it did, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it causes a lot of hesitation looking uh, looking forward for, for this team. Now, in this division, this is Tom Pelissero talking about the Rams going out and finding a way, the cap-strapped Rams going out and finding a way to add Bobby Wagner for five years. Five-year, $50 million deal. It's worth up to $65 million with incentives for Bobby Wagner with the Rams. As you mentioned, he was born in Los Angeles. He started a colony high school in nearby Ontario, California. The opportunity to come home has Add to weigh into this, not to mention he now gets the opportunity to face his old team, the Seahawks, twice this season by staying in the NFC West. A unique negotiation here because Wagner Long has served as his own agent. We'll see the exact details on the contract, but certainly this is paying Wagner like he is a six-time first-team All-Pro selection who's still got a lot of football left as he heads to L.A. Yeah, so if we're, if we're picking the quarterbacks, it's either Kyler or Stafford one, the other one two. San Francisco's quarterback three, and then Seattle four. If you're just picking the teams, though, I, I don't know how you don't pick the Rams still to win this division or to be the, the team that, that goes the furthest in this division. Things can change, uh, certainly in the offseason still. Things can change. I don't know how much can change, actually, in the offseason that would make me think it's not the Rams. Stuff can change during the season. But, I mean, they really haven't... Any piece they've lost, they've replaced. They they lose, they lose Odell Beckham Jr., and they lose Robert Woods, but they replace him with Allen Robinson. Both those guys are hurt. Allen Robinson is pretty good. I think the more interesting conversation is, is San Francisco behind. Do you believe enough in their balance to get back to winning ways more so, even even if they're still trying to kind of figure out this Trey Lance thing? Because you just I mean, you just look up and down that football team. Like They've got a lot of really great players and just balance all over the place. Still a really great defense. I, I think there's a real discussion there for two and three in the division, too. Yeah.
Yeah, no, I agree. San Francisco, I mean, if, if Chukwaski Tart doesn't drop that Matthew Stafford pass, they're probably in the Super Bowl last yeah, year. Yeah. And then, who knows? <laughs> then they might win the Super Bowl, or Joe Burrow has a Super Bowl already, and he just appears to be unstoppable. Those are really, it, it's going to be different this year with Seattle kind of not in the race, you know? Um, and, and maybe they get a, maybe they get Baker Mayfield, maybe, I mean, if they draft a quarterback, I'm not going to suddenly think they're amazing. Even if they get Baker Mayfield, I'm not going to suddenly think they're amazing. But this is the first time in a long time where you can go into a season and think, okay, Seattle's not necessarily a contender, and, and they almost seem okay with that. All right, we come back. Just how much is on the line tonight when the Suns face the Grizzlies in Memphis? We're going to ask Suns broadcaster for Bally Sports, Kevin Ray. It's game day with K. Ray next. Wolf and Luke show Kellen Olson in for Wolf on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.